the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the Two-Man Power Super Wrestling Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a journey back in time. We go back and look at the finer days of professional wrestling, the days where we actually enjoyed watching, and the days now that we can pick apart in retrospect, but then maybe we weren't so hot on it. But we'll talk about it today. I'm very, very happy to reconnect here and be on with one of my oldest, longtime, close personal friends. I know I think I say that for everybody. But this one I can say is a historic <laughs> one. Actually true. The uh, the other half of the Paz brother family, the, uh, the contingent. Uh, maybe the better looking one, but that's up yeah. for debate. Yeah. I'm sure he would say so, but I just, I just go by what the ladies say. So, <laughs> but the one and only Jay Paz joining me today on New Generation Declassified. Jay, what's going on, buddy? Hello, hello. Uh, what's doing, man? Long time, uh, no Zoom. It's been a minute. It's been yeah. a minute. It's yeah. interesting to reconnect with people, especially on uh, on the air, on live, yeah. uh, as we're recording it. Funny enough, I don't use the video. I just like the way it sounds. So I ch- I chop the audio off of oh, it. Oh, so really? It's okay. kind of looking at each other. It's better yeah. optics. Yeah. Um, well, this I love this. I got this from my conference that I work with for uh, college football. And then I realized I'm like looking at it and I'm like, wow, this looks like a nightmare family jacket. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I mean, no offense to them, but I'm like, it looks like QT Marshall in this jacket. I was there, are you in the back right now? With one yeah. of the, isn't the show going on right now? They yeah. got another one today? Come on. Yeah. Sure, sure you're down there. Where are you right now in the world? I know you're always uh, on the move. You're always here or there. Where, where are you located now? I'm in Monmouth County, New Jersey. Oh. Uh, no real traveling until next month. And then I could do a little Tennessee driving up to Wisconsin for IndyCar, actually. So oh, nice. Doing some stuff with them. So it should be fun. Uh, Monmouth County, New Jersey, home of uh, Sunny, currently incarcerated oh. by the Monmouth County Correctional Facility. Wow. Uh, just speaking about her a few minutes ago, in regards to her being locked up, I go, hey, isn't that weird? Sunny's arrested in, in jail in the in the area I used to live. How crazy. <laughs> where uh, Where is she? <laughs> I didn't even Freehold, know. wherever the well, I think the oh, that's really Freehold. close to me now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no longer in uh, where I was. And now I'm like real close to Freehold, which is really funny because the address on this is a certain town. But then the name of the development is another town. Yes. And then the post office swears I live in a third town. So I guess I live in three different towns. But it, it must be a Jersey yeah. thing. That's how yeah, it was. Yeah. Where they used to tell us in Middletown, it was the the train tracks. You were on this yep. side of the train tracks. You were oh seven seven four eight. Yep. You were on this side. You were oh seven seven oh one. But that's Red Bank. It's not Middletown. So people yep. say, "Oh, well, where are you from?" And I go, <laughs> "Red Bank." <laughs> Technically, the mail thinks it's Middletown, though. So <laughs> I know Red Bank. People know Red Bank. They think Kevin Smith, but I oh yeah, prefer to say mostly it's got a new shop there too. They moved down the street, I guess. Yeah, they uh, well. Last time we were visiting the wife's family, they were uh, redoing the uh, the the little shopping center where Quick Stop was, and he was building a podcast studio. 
Oh wow! In the uh, what was the tattoo parlor? <laughs> oh, so in Leonardo, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Wow. So I I don't know what they're doing in Red Bank too. I guess that maybe a bigger space. I'm not even sure. I don't know. I haven't been to Red Bank in quite a while. I've left a lot of a uh, lot of yeah. dollars, a lot, a lot of pride left on the streets of Red Bank. But again, <laughs> another story for a different day. Was just talking about uh, the uh, the. <laughs> I was in Red Bank for that uh, David Wright walk off on uh, Mariano Rivera. I was tweeting oh. about that the other day. I was in uh, right. Red Bank, so. For I those was not at that game. I was surprised I wasn't. Because yeah. you had Friday tickets, didn't you? I had like some sort of weird package, but yeah, I think I had like 30 games every year or something. Yeah. Something what, silly. What now when I do that drive, I, I always think, how the hell did I do that? Because <laughs> wow, is that a pain in the ass to get to New Jersey to there? Holy moly. Well, that's called being in your twenties and really like yeah. not giving a shit. So yeah. that's uh, a, <laughs> that's a good yeah. part. But now that we're old men, we're here on uh, new generation declassified. Uh, obviously, you know, wrestling being what it is in the household you grew up in. Um, why don't you give us an idea of where you were at at this point in terms of watching wrestling, being a fan? You know, obviously for us, we're at the same age. It was in those formative years, just getting into being a teenager, maybe other things starting to get your interests rather than uh, a bunch of sweaty men oh. wrestling in tights. Yeah. Uh, so where were you at around 93 to 97 with uh, with the WWF? Yeah, the other other uh, other sex in um in tights was my interest big, big time at that point. But I was, uh, I was actually huge. I still love the obvious guys from that era of WWF, like Brett Bammer, Bam Bam when he was in there. Oh, and guys like that. But, uh, I was huge WCW guy. I watched all WCW. I loved, uh, when the NWO hit, I was like, what the heck is going on? And I always joked to my brother that he's to this day, he was upset because he wanted to see the finish of that match. Like, was, was Mike Enos going to go over? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to wanted I, see what was going to happen. I wouldn't, doubt, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. But it's funny because, you know, doing this show for almost a year, it's the my favorite question is to ask, you know, where were you at with this? What kind of yeah. fan were you? Blah, blah, blah. So with you, I kind of have an idea, but. You know, I know it, it was an era where people tapped out considerably. And this kind of is that time between the Hogan years and then the Attitude Era where they weren't out as much as possible. But we grew up in an area where the WWF was still primo supremo. It was in the newspaper still. It was being advertised. But it wasn't as popular. So to find people who liked wrestling was tough. So was yeah. it... You know, was it the change from the the big superstars of the previous years, or was it just that maybe wrestling was starting to move away from you know our age group at that point? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it was the guys, but then there was still like Brett and those guys around, and we went to um, Heart and Soul SummerSlam, so we were still like going to events. And I think we went to a few local probably house shows or something during that period. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then the Luger thing, I loved. That was like the coolest thing. I was kind of bummed. Like, I think we could have went, but we didn't go for some odd reason to the Intrepid. Like, nothing's going to happen. And I was like, oh, that was a huge yeah. We totally blew it. <laughs> I remember being at the Hazlitt Pool Club, for those of us that are local. Oh, yeah. And a rumor being that the Lex Express was at, it was somewhere, if it was in the Mammoth Mall or it was oh, yeah. some parking lot of a mall. And I'm like, well, like, how do you know? Like, where did you hear this? And being like, going to look for it and it being gone and being like, wow. How did you miss this? But the Intrepid thing, we live 90 minutes from the Intrepid. It, not, not, even. A, not yet. Not even. It's a train like hour, ride. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a train ride right into Manhattan. And to say, like, 
how come we missed that? How come nobody, I didn't know anybody who went to the Intrepid, you know, and if you guys didn't go, that's even more surprising. Yeah. But how did we miss out on going to such a, a monumental time of this, this era? How did we even get information back then? Like we're headed word of mouth. Like we didn't text. We weren't like, Hey, the Lek express is here or Hey, let's go to the intrepid. I don't even, honestly, I don't even remember. I don't remember word of mouth. Somebody, somebody could have been lying. Cause that was another yeah. thing. People just oh, yeah. lie. Well, um, I remember once speaking of large buses at the Outback Steakhouse in Middletown, they had the Madden cruiser, John Madden's. <laughs> he wasn't there, but the, the thing was there, the, right. the, the bus. So me and I won't say who, because we, well, maybe I'm outing myself, but we went, we did the tour. We walked through the bus. We were like pretending we were really interested. And then we <laughs> threw eggs at it from like, you know, across the street, like egg the crap out of it. And then we drove away, speed and sped away. <laughs> so we were like, who, what is, what is this in here? Is this a cup holder? And then uh, we went back and egged it. <laughs> I believe it. I absolutely believe it. So yeah. I'm guessing the Lex Express might have had some <laughs> sort of a, like maybe <laughs> I heard about it. It might have, yeah. <laughs> Unless Lex was in there, we probably would have been actually scared to do anything. But that's just – it's the funny part. What, you're exactly right. It was newspapers. You know, Daily News was your yeah. resident WWF information. You know, yeah. the, the pullout for WrestleMania 11, I remember very clearly. Yeah. Um, but unless they said it on local TV, we didn't know shit. We didn't know anything that was going on. Yeah. Um, what we're going to talk about today is kind of like a general – idea of what was the Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler feud that went on for many years in the new generation yeah. era really stretched the whole entire thing. But it's funny because it piggybacks off of last week's show. And even two weeks before that, I've nice, talked yeah. about these feuds or this feud and in, in, in kind of just glancing by it. But now we'll talk about it a little more. And this is one that I, I always ask, what do you like? What do you want to talk about? And this is something we both agreed on like yeah. that. Anything, what do you, what do you remember about it that you love? Well, anything Brett from that era is awesome. Brett, uh, I know uh, TMPT was just ironically again another like connection was doing like best technical wrestlers or best technician, and like he's definitely the best or you know at least right number one or number two or number three or whatever. He's way up there, and then you always want to see that guy against somebody. It doesn't even have to be you know great in ring, but you want to just have that great story and like who better than Lawler? And then the whole. They do a lot of goofy stuff, WWE, with creative and stuff that doesn't make sense. But, like, King of the Ring, and then he's, like, offended as the king yeah. coming in. Like, that kind of totally makes sense. So sometimes it just totally – and he's offended, and that leads off. And Brett's sort of serious demeanor and Lawler being very funny and his, like, silly demeanor and the jokes and the insults and going after you verbally just totally fit. Their clash of styles is, is awesome. It was just really, really cool. Yeah, it was. And that's what we talked about last week with the King of the Ring show. And it was, look, kind of makes no sense to have a tournament to crown a king when there's a guy on the show who is yes. the king, unless <laughs> they're going to feud. Right. And you look at the tournament of 93 and you got Brett, you have Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect, Lex Luger, Tatanka, Hacksaw, Bam Bam. And you're like, uh, who fits this feud? Who could right. feud? With the king, because we didn't know what the king of the ring was in 93. We didn't know what it was going to be yeah. or what the prize was. So for Bret Hart to win it and in the crown and look kind of goofy, but Lawler the whole time being like, well, why am I not in the tournament? How come I'm not going to be crowned the king? I am the king. Yeah. And for him to attack Bret, what we said on the show last week was that was shocking because it was yeah. a beatdown. It wasn't yeah. just a happy celebration. It was Lawler kicked the shit out of Bret Hart. Yeah. It was definitely surprising. It was awesome. And his, uh, just him on the mic 
destroying him then physically too, which is which is pretty uh, pretty great. And then he gets involved with like Brett's parents at some point, <laughs> which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> Who I, I, probably really don't even know what's going on, like <laughs> their age. No, they, I don't think they did. And that's what I was trying to remember. It's it's funny I had it out of order as we were getting ready to start. Yeah, I had that happening before the King of the Ring. It turns yeah. out it actually happened after. Right, the like King of the Ring or something. Yeah. And it makes sense because the match is Bret Hart. So the King of the Ring is in June 93. The The match that I was talking about with this incident is in July 93, but it makes sense. It's actually the rematch of the finals of the King of the Ring. It's Bret right. and Bam Bam at the Manhattan Center. Right. And Lawler classically comes through the curtain in the upper tier of the Manhattan Center. Yeah. And he targets Stu and Helen Hart, who were sitting there watching the match, who they showed them a million times on camera. And they definitely, definitely either didn't tell Stu it was a part of the show or he was thinking, you know, maybe Lawler was shooting. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like, let's see, maybe Stu will like in real life try to like stretch him or, or punch him in the face and it'd be just good TV. <laughs> the best way he goes, uh, Lawler's talking and Stu grabs the mic and he goes, you're the self-appointed king of the ring. And Lawler grabs the mic and he goes, anybody understand what he said? <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. He's so quick. He reminds me of uh, like that Heenan level, like just quick wit and just total, totally bears you down, like insult wise. And uh, uh, he was awesome. He was so quick. And he but, even says that he, you know, would rehearse like a million lines like that. So he, I mean, you wonder why guys are that good. They, because they know pretty much every insult in the book. <laughs> but isn't it weird though that they have Heenan still at the time? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Heenan's actually in the booth for this match. Heenan's doing the commentary with Vince. And Lawler was like, you know, really, as much as you didn't realize it at the time, would fill that role so perfectly of the bad guy heel that, you know, announcer that Bobby Heenan was. When can you imagine, you know, maybe if they were two heels in a booth together, just how they could bounce off one another? Like, it's unbelievable. But Lawler was like a fresher version of Bobby Heenan because you still watch the guy work. I don't know. It's I don't know how to explain it, but it's weird. They were both yeah. there at the same time, kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, he was. And they almost all did the same thing, except I don't know if Heenan was like an owner and promoter at any point, but Lawler literally did everything. He was the promoter, the booker, the, the wrestler, the main event, the guy behind the commentary. The, I mean, the, he literally could do everything. He was awesome and awesome on the mic, obviously. How much did you know of Lawler outside of the WWF leading to him getting there? I mean, I personally remember him in the magazines and seeing – I never physically watched the footage. I remember seeing him, but I didn't know much yeah. about him otherwise. I used to go into – probably around that era, I guess maybe 10, 11 years old, would go into Pathmark with my mom, and I think maybe my brother was there with me too, but just go to the magazine section and sit there for an hour waiting yeah, for it oh, yeah. and just read the wrestling things because yeah. it was like I didn't know a lot about stuff that's not on TV here in, Jer in New Jersey, you know, and in yeah. the Northeast. But I would see him all the time, like, who is the king? Like, I didn't know that much about him except I knew that he was always – saying something really bad. And then the thing with Andy Kaufman, I knew Andy Kaufman. Right. That was pretty funny. I was actually just looking, I have like a loose figure of Kaufman, but I'm like, do I want to sell this? So I just put it up on eBay for like a thousand dollars. Like if someone wants to give me a thousand dollars, but this really yep. weird, rare Andy Kaufman figure. But you'll, you'll, um, you'll be in yeah. some group getting blasted for charging too much for a yeah. you know, Andy Kaufman figure now. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't sell stuff for that high, and uh, no gloves can't sell gloves. But it's funny though, because the same way, I, I mean, I knew the name. I had seen one of the documentaries about Lawler and Kaufman before yeah. he was in, and knowing like I've, I know this name, but I don't. I've never seen him. 
And then when he came to the the WWF in '93, I had no clue that he was a promoter yeah, and a powerful guy. Behind like all that, um, like bravado, I guess, or that you know, he was just friggin' hilarious. I'm like, wow, this guy like comes out like a ball of fire here. Yeah, and, uh, like I guess he was living up to the hype of what we didn't really know, but like kind of heard through those those magazines and those papers, and and he was uh, he definitely fit the bill. And in this part of 93, so this match specifically that I'm talking about is on the uh, taped on the 19th of um, July, broadcast mm-hmm. on the 26th of July, Monday Night Raw. Um, Lawler's still active in Memphis and working as a babyface at this point. So right. he's a heel and maybe the top heel and probably the most vocal heel on the WWF television product. Yeah. But in Memphis, this guy's a hero and, and, always, and, and a yeah. champion. So yeah. it, it's one of those things, and we'll talk about it as we kind of move along in the timeline, uh, the Mick Memphis storyline, which is like I, I've said it a thousand times on the airwaves here. Going to talk about it at some point, um, but not going to go into it. But I'll, I'll just say it now. Mick Memphis, if you're not familiar, is the WWF guys going to Memphis and being the heels as Lawler and the USWA guys are the baby faces. Mm. So you get Brett, you get Macho Man, Giant Gonzalez, uh, Owen Hart, Vince, all go to Memphis, and they're the bad guys. And Lawler's a good guy. And yeah. it's you're watching him on national television being the number one bad guy on Monday Night Raw, and he can still be this conquering hero in Memphis. It's almost like Brett in Canada. Exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly right. He's, the, exactly he's right. the biggest face ever right up there. And then down here, he's the huge heel, the, the big heel. So look at the grand scheme of, of 93 up to this point. So Yokozuna is a champion. They're building the Lex Express. But this undercard feud of Brett and Jerry Lawler, possibly, maybe, if you look at the test of time, maybe the top feud <laughs> of the yeah. summer, knowing how long it would go on and last. Yeah. They, um, I still remember the uh, – I can't – was that – I forget what event it was. But uh, Brett beat him. But then they reversed the decision because he just yeah. wouldn't let go of the sharpshooter. Correct. That's <laughs> summer. Being like, oh, they, they can't do that. Like, <laughs> wait, did that means all I want? <laughs> right. Like, and that's that's SummerSlam '93. So that's where yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. the the thing with Stu and Helen leads to that right. match. And Lawler, classic bait and switch, comes yeah. out on crutches. Oh, he's got the leg injury. Yep. You know, he needs a replacement. And what we talked about in the Doink episode three weeks ago was, look. The match was great with an a evil clown yeah. <laughs> who's this master technician, and that makes him psychotic versus Bret Hart. But what it also did was it started the Doink face turn because <laughs> yep. Doink then feuded with Lawler technically. So it's, it's, it's funny how this, whether it was just a pairing of two top guys that they had nothing for, had such a domino effect, turns Doink face, and then stretches for two years throughout this, yeah. this entire time. You wonder – because nowadays the creative makes no sense. You wonder if they did that on purpose back then, or they were just lucky they fell into stuff. You know, that's the that's the million dollar question, right? I, all I, honestly, if I were them, I'd just go back to booking shows carbon copied <laughs> from this. Well, yeah, I don't understand why they don't. WCW used to do that. You'd be like, wait a minute, I've seen this before, and you go back. You're like, oh yeah, they did that turn with, uh, you know, Flair on Sting like ten years before this. So I was like, oh yeah, duh. Same exact thing. Yeah, it worked, and you were interested, and you were buying into it. Um, so now, interesting. Lawler's not working the house shows leading up to uh, SummerSlam '93. Uh, he's not a regular member of the roster yet because he's still going back and forth 
to Memphis, but he's on the superstars tapings. He's on the challenge tapings. He's at raw. Uh, did you realize that at the time? I feel like they did such a good job of spacing stuff out during that period. You know, now they are in a feud. It's they fight three Monday night rolls in a row. And then it's all, it's like just overdone. I feel like you kind of still felt like he was there because right. of the way they space it out. And plus what they were doing kind of left the longer like legacy in your brain, I guess. You know what I mean? Like you're like, Oh, this guy, like he's still gonna, he's still got to get his comeuppance, you know, or he's going to get his comeuppance. And plus there was a couple of raws where I think, I think the debut raw, he came out like three times or four times. Yeah. The old, the old Austin, he comes out like 10 times. Um, and then, uh, Oh yeah. When I was looking at that, that's what I was saying to you pre-show. Uh, the last ever WWE match of uh, one of a uh, legendary WWF uh, tag team was uh, was that show. Now, did we say it was Jim Powers or, or Jim Brunzel? Did we it was Jumping Jim. Jumping Jim. Jumpin Jim? Okay, because he'd yeah. get Jim Powers down there. All right, so Jumping yeah. Jim. Jumping Jim with the multicolored tights. Uh, yeah, like, and then uh, he fought Damian Demento. I don't even know what happened. I just remember a few, like, they were, like, small packaging each other or something. I'm like, what kind of match is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. And then I saw Bam Bam versus Virgil on that, and Virgil – has like three botches and bam bam's just like picking up up by his neck at some point <laughs> like off the ground he's like all right you missed that one i'm just gonna pick you up by your neck now now in the lex luger episode we talked about there's a uswa show that's a week before SummerSlam that the main event is lex luger defeating yokozuna in a non-title match clean yeah he never beat Yokozuna again clean. This was the only time, and it was the week before SummerSlam. So maybe they saw something they didn't like. Maybe it was, you know, did not you, up. Did you by any chance see my Twitter picture? I changed it like a couple weeks ago. I it's, did not. It's Luger with coming out to a live crowd with the belt on. With the belt. Okay. So I used that in the new generation. Uh, I think I probably uh, stole it. From, I saw it somewhere. I was like, oh, that's maybe. Awesome. Yeah. And no one understands. So like, they just think like, oh, yeah, he was champ. Like, no, he was never the champion. That's that's almost as vicious a steal as an Ahmed Johnson clip uh, <laughs> circulating the other day. That's almost as vicious a lifting. Uh, well, but I, I'm wondering how much other stuff he he's taken. Uh, I wonder uh, too. I chat. wonder too. Yeah. I'm on the outside of it, so I yeah. uh, you know. But that's fine. I'm no, not looking to get in either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, the reason the reason I mentioned that again is because the night before SummerSlam, okay, USWA at the Mid South Coliseum classic venue the main event of that show is jerry lawler beats bret hart in a steel cage match after giant gonzalez accidentally clotheslines bret hart <laughs> this is a part of mick memphis but leading to SummerSlam 93 a steel cage match between those two would have been awesome on SummerSlam 93 but yeah. what they did i think ended up helping them a little bit better because lawler looks like the smarmy you know yeah, the asshole heel. Yeah, here, yeah. Here he's the baby face beating Brett in a steel cage match the night before. That's the thing that I love about this. It's it literally paralleling each other on each side. One in Michigan, one yeah. in Memphis. And I feel like you know maybe how many people really knew that happened the night before, but the people that did were probably like, "Wow, this is pretty freaking great." <laughs> <laughs> Twenty one hundred people at the Mid South Coliseum uh, were there. Uh, also on that card, I love running these down. Uh, the Giant Gonzalez defeated the Vampire Warrior, otherwise known as Gangrel. Yes. Hey, you forget that he was around. Like, I guess when was I guess I guess he Gangrel was not too far after that. But how about these for little semantics in the uh, the steel cage match? Owen Hart attempts to interfere in the match on behalf of Brett, 
but Jeff Jarrett, who's still a part of the USWA, yeah. holds Owen Hart off the cage. <laughs> oh my goodness! How many random uh, things happened in this match? Giant Gonzalez, Jeff Jarrett. It's unbelievable. Uh, but then the cool thing about this feud was it would kind of end. They would do, you know, they still would tease each other on the shows. You know, they would always rip each other. Lawler would constantly rip Brett. Oh, yeah. Um, the commentary, uh, Brett would always kind of take jabs at Jerry Lawler. But they kind of separated them, which is weird because he moves into the, uh, well, it was the, the Survivor Series was originally supposed to be Team Lawler versus Team Brett. Right. Versus the Hart family, but Lawler got himself in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, and uh, that was taken, you know, over yeah. by Shawn Michaels. But that was the end of their feud, seemingly for almost a year and a half. And then who were the knights? It was was it Valentine? It was Greg the Hammer Valentine. Yeah. It was, I think, Jeff Gaylord, and I forget who the third one was. But the rumor was Terry Funk was supposed to be one of the knights. Yeah. And that's the infamous uh, incident where he told Vince his horse was sick and he had to go and uh, tend to his horse. <laughs> I don't think Vince uh, – I was just watching the uh, Warrior doc, and he was like, ah, oh, his dad died. He didn't give a crap. <laughs> and then, like, I'm sure if this hor if horse got sick, I'm sure Vince uh, wouldn't like that either. Try I'm trying to find the date exactly where Lawler is officially, you know, he was in a lot of trouble. It was a statutory rape case. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, oh here we go. Uh, 11, 12, uh, 11 Jerry Lawler pleads not guilty to charges of statutory rape, sodomy, and harassing a witness in Louisville, Kentucky. Lawler was freed pending a $1,000 bond. The sex charges stem from an alleged incident involving a 13-year-old girl. June 6th and 7th, 1993. The additional charge stems from an alleged October 4th incident regarding the sex charges. The, the girl was lying and Lawler was cleared of all the charges. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I remember. I remember reading that way back when in those, I don't want to say dirt sheets, but those magazines. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. And then you read like 13, you're like, why is that even like even a thing? You know, eh. How about this? Good good week for the WWF. The next day, Vince McMahon pleads not guilty mm. <laughs> to charges of conspiracy to distribute anabolic steroids. Yeah. <laughs> so good week for the WWF yeah. that they uh, were clearing their name left and right. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, well, that was sort of on the warrior doc, too, about him. Uh, I asked him, like, oh, you're all jacked up. You, you take steroids? Like, no, no way. <laughs> like, all right. I have not seen that. I I. I tuned in for two, for two seconds. I saw Peter Rosenberg and Sam Roberts, and I said, "You know what? I don't think this documentary is for me." They're they're talking heads on that show. I know they want it to be like pro WWE, but man, you can't get like. I mean, it's cool. Jake Roberts is on there, but then you like you you couldn't get. I mean, it's strange. I mean, Sam Roberts literally has no association with anything. I mean, no, like you or I being on there. <laughs> yeah, you, they should have called me. You know, he. he he used to get Opie's coffee, so he has a show on freaking, or he's on the Warrior. And, he, and what he did was he, he <laughs> I, from what I gather, he is he had worked for free for a long time for WWE, doing a lot of those panel shows, right? And they'll take anybody who works for free, but he has an audience, so yeah, cross, but he has know, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not really trying to even rip him. I don't even mind him that much. But like, why get oh, gonna rip somebody him. from that era? Get somebody. Yeah, where's Michael Hayes? You know, where's uh, where, where's give me somebody? Give me, give me a Kevin Nash. Give me anybody who was around. I know, like Pritchard works with him now and whatever, but he's on there for literally two seconds, 
and he's on all the other ones for like the Macho one. He's on for quite a period of time, right. but he's only on the Warrior one for two seconds. Or maybe they edited a lot of him out because he said yeah. all negative stuff. That's probably could, could be that too. Yeah. Um. So now the weird part with Brett and Lawler, they could take a break, but like I said, still kind of throw jabs at each other. Yeah. Their next they always big, knew there was still going to be something between Right. Them. It was always a tease. It was always something. You know, yeah. Lawler would rip him apart in every commentary opportunity. The next time they would cross paths on a major platform is the infamous King of the Ring 95 Kiss My Foot match, which, yeah. you know, the look, the buildup is classic Jerry Lawler. The vignettes are out of this world funny. They're 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 great. I remember the WWF magazine, you know, the, the King's panel, the King's court. But for Brett, it was kind of like, mm, this is a little gimmicky for a guy like Brett, who's a two-time champion at this point. Uh, what do you remember about the Kiss My Foot match, and is it something that you really would go out of your way to watch again? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think uh, I want to watch the ending as much as uh, as disgusting uh, his foot was. But, uh, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> that was method acting at its best. <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, maybe Brett was like uh, – I'll do all this sticky stuff, but uh, it's got to lead to me showing my disgusting feed. Uh. <laughs> it just—it's weird, but that's—I mean—is this one of the things? Actually, I did miss one thing. Just pause that. They did have a match at an in your house. It was a part of a of a storyline with Hakushi, where Brett had to beat Hakushi, uh, beat Lawler to face Hakushi, and hmm. yeah. you know they had him. It was kind of a throwaway match. It wasn't really anything of a big build. This was what would be the blow off of their their feud, but is this match what people look at this era and go, ah, that wasn't very good that you're sticking your two time champ, Bret Hart in a, in a gimmicky, you know, foot match for all the foot puns and the bad breath and the stinkiness and all that stuff. They probably should have went back to the steel cage for, for yeah. the WWF audience. That's how you end it. You know, you have a bigger, a bigger match. Yeah. The foot match. It's that's, yeah, I don't mind gimmick match, but that's like kind of silly, especially for Brett. The vignettes are good again from the production standpoint, which I love to look yeah, at. He's it, funny. It, yeah, they're funny. They're they're well shot. You know, they've been, he's in a horse stall. You know, he's uh, he he's in like you know the locker room. He's spraying you know spray in the air. Is they're showing his sock. His sock is brown. Like it, it's very well done, but it just it should have been for somebody else. It should have been a doink or one of the cartoony characters, not Brett. Yeah. And this show, King of the Ring '95, is the low point of pay-per-view i mean the main event is diesel and bam bam versus tatanka and sid that's the main event and mabel wins the king of the ring the ch the crowds chant ecw this show as a whole is a big thumbs down definitely yeah that the, the main event guys too for that era was beside brett and michaels to a point i mean i love nash so i don't want to say anything bad about him but like i don't know like that era was not the high point for uh, five-star matches so i'll just I'll say that nine minutes and 20 seconds. Brett beats Lawler. He yeah, sticks his cool. foot in his, in Lawler's mouth, but then right. sticks Lawler's foot in his mouth. There's an audience for that out there. There's some fetish people yes. that probably <laughs> watch that match on repeat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, it just doesn't fit in great. And unfortunately really is the climax of a two year feud between the two of them. They would still take the subtle jabs. They would still always kind of intersect when they could. Yeah. And I, I, I look, I, the one thing I will say, I did not go out of my way to look and see if there were any raw matches or superstars matches that we forgot about. I'm not going to say that. These are the big ones. 
does this kind of, no pun intended, leave a bad taste in your mouth that the feud was so great at the beginning and at the end it was this gimmicky, stupid shit to end it? It always reminds me of uh, like those, either like a real good wrestling pay-per-view or like almost like lately with AEW, you're like, wow, that was an awesome show. And then the bomb that's supposed to go off at the, the finale doesn't work. So then right. all you remember is this, the finish stinks. So if the finish stinks, you still remember, yeah, that was a good show. But like the, if you have a good ending to a feud, then obviously everything you did makes it seem awesome. And it seemed like they were as high as they could go. And then they just kind of ended it with a, a bit of a whimper. It, it wasn't uh, wasn't even like a roller coaster. It was it went up and then it just <laughs> and then it just yeah. went. It it really did. I will say there is one really now they did fight have they'd have house show matches, dark matches. Yeah, but we're not um, all privy to you know Right, right. There's one that was released on a WWE DVD, you know, unreleased matches of the nineties. Uh Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels versus Jerry Lawler and Hakushi from the end of July ninety yeah. five. Yeah, almost wish <laughs> maybe yeah. this is what they should have put on pay per view yeah. instead of the kiss my foot match. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that that's happened over the years that it's either unreleased or they only did it on house shows and they really should have put it on TV. They really are lacking. Uh... And then Hakushi too. I, I guess he was just there to feud with Brett. Like I don't even really, yeah. but then he was like feuding with Barry Horowitz or something. They were a team. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I, I, I don't know. They, they have like one idea for a guy and then that's it. It's like, you had no other background, like no, like him versus HBK something. No, no. All right. They they Americanized Hakushi. That was the that, thing. that's his thing. He has to Vince has to like make the guy Americanized. I don't get it. So some no, there's literally what they said. So some Jewish guy from Florida is just yeah. gonna Americanize uh, yeah. Japanese uh, sensation Hakushi. Yeah. He told us we had to hate for six months, and now he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to have Chris Candido's brother come out. Oh, Johnny. At some point. Yeah, Johnny Candido, great nice. dude. Um, because. He, I just was watching a Candido shoot from 2005, maybe a year or two before he died. And uh, he's talking about how, you know, Barry Horowitz was just a random guy. They had that little feud between Skip and, and Horowitz. And he goes, and then out of the blue, he starts teaming with Hakushi. <laughs> and I was like, man, I was like, I never thought about it. That was so random. Look at cost Skip. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the again, with the dominoes, the weird how stuff affects other guys. And, uh, Hakushi's probably like, why is this guy patting himself on the back? Is that like an American yes. culture or like probably very confused? He brought it back to uh, Japan and he was like, people are like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> What's going on here? He's got something wrong with his uh, his shoulder and his back. I think he's trying to itch it. There's uh yeah, that, that's really it. I think I'm trying to find something here. I got another one I pulled up in front of me. I think this is, this might be a house show. Yeah, they had house shows. I think they worked at the Garden maybe once or twice. Oh, probably, um, yeah. But just on television, the only other thing I can love about this little feud is when Bret Hart comes back in 2010, and he's in the ring. The first person, when he gets that mic, he turns to, and he looks, and he goes, hey, you king. And he goes back and goes, hi, you hit man. And you're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, what a good nod to the past. I love yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Only, uh, only like those old school guys would like know to do that. Yeah, I feel like it's lo a lot of that little stuff is totally lost on guys now. It's like incredible. Now, do you like 
a king gimmick? Is this something that you can get behind as long as it's a heel? Yeah, I mean, I don't even, I mean, a lot of people don't like Corbin, but as soon as they were like, there's going to be a king of the ring, I said, they, Vince is obsessed with the guy because he's tall and he's big. And he could talk a little bit. They'll probably make him a king. At least he's doing something. And it seemed like they were going to do some cool stuff with him. And then those two dopes got fired that were like going to be his henchmen. <laughs> and then for God knows what reason. I mean, we know, but whatever. And then uh, I thought they were going to put him with somebody else and have like, you know, a king's court type of thing, almost like a JBL with the, the Bashams and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but then nothing, unless now maybe they're putting Gable with him and Otis. But I mean, it kind of, it kind of faltered. Shinsuke looks good with the crown on for now. I can uh, give you a lot of credit for even giving me that information. That is uh, <laughs> that is really above and beyond the call. Crackdown is actually not <laughs> bad. Uh, the other stuff, Raw is like un- literally fast forward through it. I have it on DVR. It's, it's unwatchable. This week they only had like ten guys in the whole show. They had oh, really? McIntyre <laughs> and Kingston fought for like forty minutes, and then they talked for ten minutes before that. And all these guys are missing. They must have had some like really quiet COVID outbreak or something because no one was on the show. It was really weird. Uh, they don't do that stuff. I just emailed you for your own uh, fancy to oh. watch after this. Uh, the end of the cage match from Memphis. Mick Memphis. This is oh. chapter nine. It's all on YouTube, Mick Memphis. But this is the the end of the Lawler uh, thread. I, I kind of want to see a giant Gonzalez clothesline, to be honest with you. Oh, you're going to see it. I just emailed it to you. So, uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to saying goodbye here. Let's give it a uh, letter grade. Again, this is 93 to 95. And subtle hints in between of teasing and jabbing back and forth. What do you give Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler in the grand scheme of the new generation? I, It's going to seem – the grade will probably seem weird, but like I'd say B- minus, just because we're still talking about it. We still remember it that well. And Lawler's Mike Skills and – Brett as as the face and Brett as the technician as he is, the best technician ever as he is. Um, I just was very invested into anything Brett. And then again, if you put a guy with those mic skills and the the story behind it, now the guy's ripping his dad, he's ripping his mom, uh, ripping everything pretty much about the guy. Um, yeah, I got to go B minus. I'd say just just as two big names, legendary stuff. Lawler's first big feud, WWF. Yeah. Debut in WWF, which is a big deal. And, uh, yeah, I'll say B-. minus. I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay. Uh, I kind of tend to maybe drop it down because I hate the Kiss My Foot match so much. I, I just think yeah. it's such a – it's it, it really sucks. I mean, the match itself is a good match between them, but the end, it just – you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I really love the 93 thing, you know, the SummerSlam, the buildup yeah. with – parents and the the attack at king of the ring is you know off the charts for this time very yeah. brutal for 93 but yeah the 95 stuff is uh it just kind of stinks but again man, maybe i'll raise it i'll give it a c plus how about that yeah and maybe lawler doesn't get in trouble some things are different yeah yeah that too somebody is- else does better with the title than they thought they were gonna do you know it's maybe complete things- you know what i mean it's got a it's got a big yeah. asterisk because where yeah where could it gone had he not you know, gotten in trouble, but also where would Shawn Michaels have been? Right. Shawn Michaels was coming back from being in trouble himself. Right. And where would Shawn Michaels have been on that show? He just wouldn't have been on summer uh, survivor series 93. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, you can't see one of those guys not being on it, but maybe Lawler is the one that is okay. Not being there. In yeah. The grand like, scheme of history. Even in general, wrestling is like very bizarre because you're like, yeah, this stuff's scripted, but 
you can't you don't foresee the guy getting in trouble or this guy getting beat up in a bar or this guy quitting and going home taking his smile and going home. you know what i mean like, like that's why when i was like the rock versus cena is being built like a year in advance I'm like literally anything could happen but now and again like yeah a match like the rock could be like uh never doing a wrestling match again like i'm in hollywood you know anything could happen were you at survivor series 2011 with us yeah, yeah. okay all right i couldn't remember yeah. Who did it see, I know it that was Cena and Rock versus Miz and Truth? Right. Yes. 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 That was yeah. that was weird. That Truth and Miz were like, like they were supposedly like almost like an NWO. Like they're yeah. they're not supposed to be there. They're taking out the locker room. Like what? Yeah. Miz that was that was an interesting show because yeah. uh, I went from my seats to I think we were all sitting together to yeah. or maybe I feel like you were in another but there was somebody. The usual group was separated. Yeah. Some people I think, here. I think me and my brother. We're straight from the entrance way or something like that. So I it have was a cool weird. picture of the yeah. rock like right in front of us. It's weird because I remember we all went together. One group sat here. The other group sat there. But then my brother and a friend of his were in the skybox. <laughs> and oh. they got me to come up to the skybox. So I remember watching the main event from the seats. Nice. But the CM Punk Del Rio match, I was in the skybox. That's what it was. For. Punk, yeah. <laughs> and I was being like, what else you guys got up here? What, yeah, what, like <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Is there any uh, popcorn up here? Yeah. I can get behind that. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get to say goodbye. Please share with the listeners of New Generation Declassified where they can find everything in the world of one Jason Pazarowski. I'll just keep it short and sweet. I tweet once in a while, but uh, just at Broiled Sports. It's my Twitter. It's pretty much it's pretty much it. Just uh, keeping busy. Otherwise, you know. This guy was a visionary with the social media world. This guy was like the, the this guy was the mecca for social media. And now he tweets every once in a while, and then when he tweets, it means something, folks. So let's uh, let's not deny that. All right. Well, uh, you know, look, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. And yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate. Oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if if if, you, if anybody cares, if you want to follow me, it's at Chad E and B Instagram and Twitter. The website is ibexclusives.com. You can find out everything going on I got on the IB exclusive site. This website is tmptempire.com. Get all the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella, including the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas and one uh, John Paz, JP, uh, which is on the Russo brand. And we've also got a great association with them. So please support the Russo brand and everything that we've got under that umbrella as well. And finally, if you want to check out me with the Queen of Extreme, Francine, it is patreon.com slash Francine podcast. Uh, it's a great time catching up with a great friend and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Uh, if you're up to it, I know I will be. So for my man, Jay pause, this is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.